www.slimfilmfestival.org. Time now is 3.30. Stay tuned for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is March the 9th, 2004. Yesterday was International Women's Day, yes, indeed. Yes, uh, is that all we get today? <laughs> Never mind. No sense wringing of the hands. We must just get on with it after listening to the previous show Laura Flanders spoke about. The women of the right wing, oh dear, 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 discouraging. However, I like to go all the way back to the beginning to remember the great ones, the wise ones, uh, of whom there are still many, 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 many. Uh, they're out there, folks. What I brought with me today is a big tome of a book about the separation of church and state. It's all about women. It's called No Gods, No Masters, and before I go off the air, I'll give you the the um, telephone number, the title, the source, you know, that sort of thing. This is one of those books that's hard to find. It's edited by Annie Laurie, like the song, Annie Laurie Gaylord, G-A-Y-L-O-R. It's called The Collected Writings of Women Free Thinkers of the 19th and 20th Centuries. Always good to go back and see where we came from. The title of the book is Women Without Superstition, No Gods, No Masters. That was a line from Margaret Sanger, the birth control pioneer. That was uh, her pamphlet, No Gods, No Masters. And let's see. You get it from the Freedom From Religion Foundation, Inc. They've got a P.O. Box, 750. Madison, Wisconsin. Got that? P.O. Box 750, Madison, Wisconsin, 53701. And right, I'll give you the phone number, 608-256-8900. Give you that stuff again just before I go off the air. I mustn't forget. So important to get these numbers out. In any case... Long time ago, folks, more than two centuries ago, back in the old... Well, no, no. Uh, yes, back in 1792, the first woman uh, this book addresses is Mary Wollstonecraft. Yes, her great question, all the way back in 1792, 200 and... 
208, was how many generations may be necessary to give vigor to the virtue and talents of the freed posterity of abject slaves. <laughs> Too bloody many generations, if you ask me, right. According to Mary Wollstonecraft, we are abject slaves. In the 19th century, women were practically non-persons. Now, her manifesto, called A Vindication of the Rights of Woman, was serialized by Susan B. Anthony right here in this country back in the 1860s. Susan B. had a feminist newspaper called The Revolution. Got that? The Revolution. She serialized Mary Wollstonecraft, and uh, Susan B. Anthony sat down and rewrote the Constitution. She went for the laws. She said we had to write... Uh, uh, a constitution that took women's interests into account. Now, I find uh, just as interesting the work of Elizabeth Cady Stanton, because Elizabeth Cady Stanton rewrote the Christian Bible. She expurgated it. She didn't get much help with that. And a lot of people were very cross with her. They said, no, 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 that's not the way. You know, uh, don't, don't mess with that. Um, that's still a problem today. You know how that works. Uh, people want to hedge their bets. But here's something. Let me read you this. Um, during a sermon, Elizabeth Cady Stanton announced, let's see, this would have been 1883. She said she was prepared to purge the entire Bible if that were needed to free women. And, uh, yes, Frederick Douglass, at the height of the anti-slavery struggle, once said, quote, Prove to me that the Bible sanctions slavery, and in the name of God and humanity, I would, if possible, make a bonfire of every Bible in the universe. It's the end of the quote from Frederick Douglass, and Elizabeth Cady Stanton in her sermon goes on to say, And so say I. Prove to me that the Bible sanctions and teaches the universal subjection of woman to man as a principal formal order, and I should be compelled to repudiate its authority and to do all in my power to weaken its hold on popular thought. <laughs> now, making good on this vow is precisely what Elizabeth Cady Stanton proceeded to do uh, she devoted most, many of her energies to criticism of religion. Uh, she had a handwritten manuscript, some of it's uh, in this book, titled, Is the Bible Opposed to Woman's Suffrage? <laughs> anyway, uh, that's 1883. Difficult, difficult, difficult stuff, folks, because, of course, even today, you'll get a lot of argument. Let me read you just some snippets and bits from Elizabeth Cady Stanton's um, uh, sermons and works. And let me tell you first that the subtitle of this anthology that I'm reading to you was the motto, yes, of Margaret Sanger, uh, No Gods, No Masters. She chose that title uh, in 1914, 
for a publication called The Woman Rebel. And um, the editor of this collection says that ever since encountering Margaret Sanger's motto, I felt it expresses in a nutshell the feminist viewpoint toward patriarchal religion. No gods, no masters gallantly rejects the master-slave hierarchy of male power over women and supernatural powers over all mankind. You know, the sort of thing that is ordained in the Hebrew and Christian testaments. Uh, so, here is Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Uh, she did, of course, before her death, write a few kind, thoughtful, polite letters saying that uh, there was no reason why the Bible should not have an honored place in English literature. <laughs> you know, along with all the other mythologies. Anyway, here's here's what she says here. Um, she says, I found nothing grand in the history of the Jews. Surely the writers had a very low idea of the nature of their God. They made him not only anthropomorphic, but of the very lowest type, jealous and revengeful, loving violence rather than mercy. I know of no other books that so fully teach the subjection and degradation of woman. And that um, struck me because uh, in a curious way it rings a bell, I think, of Mel Gibson's peculiar film in which Christ is imagined as a vengeful warrior. Perhaps not so peculiar. Perhaps it does express the spirit of the age, our zeitgeist. Uh, here is another uh, another quote from Elizabeth Cady Stanton. She writes, It is one of the mysteries that woman, who has suffered so intensely from the rule of the church, still worships her destroyer and, quote, licks the hand that is raised to shed her blood. Now, what I find so interesting about Elizabeth Cady Stanton is that uh, while she never blames the victim, she points out at every, every level the ways in which women are complicit, in which they go along, you know, with the action. We think of all the right-wing women who have jumped on the bandwagon, say, in the current administration. Um, let's face it, you know, it's very seductive to be part of the power structure. Let me read you, to offset that, a little bit of what uh, Stanton calls my creed. It's in some of her last manuscripts. She wants to turn religious dogma on its head, and uh, let's face it, she's a good... Is a good pagan. I, I wish she had known more about the goddess religions. She thinks, of course, that God is nature. She writes, The sun, moon, and stars, the constellations, the days and nights, the seasons, positive and negative magnetism, the laws of gravitation, cohesion, attraction, all are immutable and unchangeable, all one, all moving in harmony together. Um, she rejected the idea of a special providence. Yes, she says that, you know, reality is basically... Her code, that goes right along with Mary Wollstonecraft, who says that she can be guided by nothing but reason. Susan B. Anthony writes that prayer is useless except for the effect on ourselves, as we know that the practice of prayer 
is a great comfort. I consider it, yes, an advanced form of talking to myself. What's that Irishman who always says, yes, <laughs> besides himself and God, you know, who is there to carry on a conversation with? Um, Elizabeth writes, if we are governed by unchangeable law, well, then where is the use of prayer? We must understand that we hold our destiny in our own hands. We are wholly responsible. Man has proved himself equal to the gravest responsibilities this life involves. He, too, possesses the elements of sovereignty, of wisdom, goodness, and power. To govern himself, to live in harmony with the laws of the universe, is his first duty. The greatest ruler on earth is he that governs himself. These Episcopal prayers chanted around the globe each returning Sabbath day, most demoralizing, O oh Lord, have mercy upon us miserable sinners, and so forth and so on. <laughs> I wish I had known these women. I have the feeling that um, I do know them in a sense uh she has these wonderful passages about all the thou shalt nots and the miserable experience of her childhood when she uh, was made ill uh, with terrors, religious fears. And she does write, though, thanks to a vigorous constitution and overflowing animal spirits, I was able to endure the strain of these depressing influences. Let's see, she says, yes, for years, yes, it went on. My reasoning powers, my common sense triumphed at last over my imagination. But the memory of my own suffering has prevented me from ever shadowing one young soul with any of the superstitions of the Christian religion. Obviously, Susan was not raised in a, uh, a loving or kindly uh, Christian home, uh, I'm sure there were some such, and perhaps even are some such. Back in 1897, she writes, In the early days of woman suffrage agitation, I saw that the greatest obstacle we had to overcome was the Bible. It was hurled at us on every side. The ballot, we were told, was contrary to God's holy ordinance for woman. Woman was born to be submissive, subjective. She must be subservient to her husband in all things and at all times. These were the admonitions, both of pulpit and of press. <laughs> anyway, yes, all this stuff about morals and religion, you know, that that was the pedestal game. Women were supposed to be above politics and, uh, uh-huh, beyond, but... She's quite aware that women have a kind of bigotry themselves. Uh, I hope that some of you had a chance to see a recent uh, PBS film. Let's see, it wasn't the BBC. No, it was, it was an American production. Angelica Houston played um, um, uh, the, the <laughs> yes, Carrie Cat, the, the overbearing um, uh, feminist woman. She's very funny. Aunt Hilary Swank played Alice Paul. It was called Iron Jawed Angels. And when I saw the uh, the show listed, I thought, 
what a dreadful title, but they took the, they took that from a, uh, press account at the time that was meant, of course, to, uh, put them down for having iron jaws, but iron jawed angels were these young women who, um, stood out in front of the White House when Woodrow Wilson was president and stood there and went to jail and were force fed and went through all of the, um, uh, suffragist agonies of the time. Now, most people say that they were given the vote simply because they helped out during World War One. I. I don't know. You have to decide these things for yourself. It was um, a rather pretty, a rather glamorized version um, of what went on then. There was a lot of talk about hats and hairdos, but it was done. It was done, I think, in an effort to make it accessible to today's young women. Maybe that's condescending. Uh, I liked better a marvelous television series called Shoulder to Shoulder. But that's years and years ago, and it was back in, um, let's see, it was, well, it was British. It was about the women in England and their efforts to gain uh, suffrage. Let's see. Here is Elizabeth uh, talking about the worship of God in man. <laughs> she, what she's trying to do, of course, is liberate women from the yoke of Christian teaching in her time. It isn't that uh, you cannot find wisdom in the Bible. What she writes here is what she, uh, well, it's, it's an essay called The Ultimate Religion. Uh, she writes, As I read the signs of our times, I think the next form of religion will be called the religion of humanity. <laughs> What a new ager she is. No, I interrupt. She writes, Men and women will worship what they see of the divine in each other. The virtues, the beatitudes, the possibilities ascribed to deity reflected in mortal beings. This new religion will teach the dignity of human nature, its infinite possibilities for developments. Its believers will not remain forever in the valley of humiliation, confessing themselves in the church service, returning each Sabbath day, being miserable sinners, imploring the good Lord to deliver them from the consequences of violated law. The new religion will inspire its worshippers with self-respect, with noble aspirations, to attain diviner heights from day to day. It will reach and teach individuals honesty, honor in word and deed, in all the relations of life. It will teach the solidarity of the race, that all must rise or fall as one. Its creed will be justice liberty, equality for all the children of the earth. It will teach our practical duties to man in this life rather than sentimental duties to God in fitting ourselves for the next life. It is folly to talk of a just government and a pure religion in a nation where the state and the church alike sustain an aristocracy of wealth and ease. 
while those who do the hard work of the world have no share in the blessings and riches that their continued labors have made possible. Uh, <laughs> I, I can hardly believe, let's see, this is a hundred years ago, and it is exactly the sort of thing that most of our op-ed folks are writing today. I think of Barbara Ehrenreich's Nickel and Dime, you know. How, what was it Barbara Ehrenreich said? She said, the true philanthropists of our age are the working poor, those who make uh, the comfort of middle-class life possible give us the um, the luxuries that we enjoy today. Uh, and here's Susan, here's Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth Cady Stanton writing the same things more than a hundred years ago. Um, Elizabeth goes on to write, Is it just that the many should ever suffer that the few may shine. To reconcile men to things as they are, we have sermons from the text, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor ye have always with you. Servants, obey your masters. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. As if poverty, servility, and authority were decrees of heaven. Indeed, yes. I think of this fellow... On the Fox Network, his name is O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly. He's the fellow who keeps talking about something they call personal responsibility. Yes, that means that if you're poor, if your lot in life uh, has been difficult, well, then, of course, you are responsible. You haven't taken personal responsibility for being a better thief than your neighbor uh, here we go, 1888, the gospel of humiliation. <laughs> the gospel of humiliation for women. She writes, if we should select all the passages of scripture in regard to women and print them out on a single page with all the canon laws and the opinions of the bishops and clergymen published within the 40 years of woman's struggle for justice and suffrage, we should exclaim this is indeed a gospel of humiliation. <laughs> yes, my favorite is Ecclesiastes. Yes, more bitter than death is the woman. Anyway, uh, Elizabeth goes on to, uh, to write in her essay, No form of religion that subordinates one half the race to the other can be said to benefit that half denied individual responsibility and independence. And none of the tortures of the Inquisition are as cruel and wicked as has been the perversion of the religious element in woman's nature in making her believe that these laws and devices of men uh, emanated from the creator of the universe. This, of course, I'm cutting in here and interrupting Elizabeth Cady Stanton rings a bell in my head. I think of all of the women... They tell us that there are more than a hundred million women on this planet who have been literally castrated, uh, genitally mutilated in the belief that this will make them pure and marriageable and uh, acceptable to the male of the species. That's the sort of thing that uh, makes it difficult for me to sleep nights. Um... Elizabeth goes on to say, 
as if all these teachings were not sufficiently humiliating. They insistently proclaim that our nature and our highest happiness calls for this kind of authorized subjection. They not only tell us that we enjoy the position of inferior and subject, but to reconcile us to the situation, they tell us of the dignity and the glory of subordination. They tell us that Christ came to exalt those virtues, so essentially womanly, those virtues of ministering to others, humility, self-sacrifice, subordination. The chicanery of these crafty teachers in trying to reconcile woman to being robbed of all her natural rights to life, liberty, and happiness is exasperating beyond measure to those who are awake to the real situation. There has been no such organized cruelty and contempt for womanhood in the history of the world as during the last 1800 years. Again, my footnote here. I think there would be quite an argument among women as to which of the patriarchal religions has been more difficult uh, for women to cope with. Um, I think Christianity might be number one. I have to think about that. The persecutions, this is Elizabeth Cady Stanton going on to say, the persecutions of sex that grew out of celibacy, asceticism, and witchcraft were more terrible than woman ever endured under any other form of religion. It is not to Christianity as taught in the scriptures or exemplified in the church that woman is indebted for the modicum of justice she enjoys today. Civilization with its arts, inventions, discovery, trade, commerce, science, and rationalism has given us the advantages of our present position in spite of the dogmas of the church. The religions of the past may do for man as they are the outgrowth of his wants and ideals. Uh, yes, but for the mother of the race, <laughs> it, it does not do. And she finishes by saying the religion of the future will recognize the equality and dignity of woman. Uh, and, of course, uh, she's hoping that that will come quickly. What I need to do, because I'm running out of time here, is give you once again um, the title of this splendid book, which I keep at my bedside. It's called um, Women Without Superstition, No Gods, No Masters. It's a tome. has dozens and dozens of women, all the way up to Barbara Ehrenreich and women from the Middle East. Um, the Collected Writings of Women Free Thinkers of the 19th and 20th Centuries. Edited by Annie Laurie Gaylor, G-A-Y-L-O-R. It is available from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. It's... Uh, P.O. Box 750, Madison, Wisconsin, 53701. They've got a phone number. Phone number is 608-256-8900. They even have an email. The email is www. Right. Uh, oh, boy, it's complicated. Uh-oh. Um, FFRW at mailbag.com I'd use the phone number folks phone them at um, 
area code 608-256-8900. If you're interested in this tome of information, it is a wonderful reference book for teachers and scholars. And just about every woman you can think of is in here. Um, some of them are wildly funny. Uh, this is international. These are not all Americans. There are uh, women from Mary Wollstonecraft right up to Barbara Walker, Katha Pollitt. Um, they're all in here. Check it out. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air Thursday morning at 8.20. Till then, go easy. If you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadow out of sight. Members of the New Pacifica Foundation National Board will convene their first regular meeting in Berkeley Friday, March 12th, Saturday, March 13th, and Sunday, March 14th at Martin Luther King Jr. Middle School, 1781 Rose Street, near Martin Luther King Jr. Way in Berkeley. The meeting takes place from 6 to 9.30 p.m. Friday, March 12th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday the 13th, and 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Sunday the 14th. The meeting is free and open to the public. Listeners, members, and the public are encouraged to attend. For more information, call 510-848-6767. Pacifica National Board Meeting is happening the weekend of March 12th through the 14th at King Middle School, 1781 Road Street in Berkeley. Call 510-848-6767 for more information.